Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us here at Midweek. Glad you're letting us be part of your day, and we hope it is a good day for you. Harvest rolls on, and we uh, hope it's a safe one for you. Be careful out there. Busy, busy time. Lots getting done. Some wrapping up harvest already with the weather and the way it's been, allowing uh, the harvest to roll as quickly as it has. Lots to talk about today. Harvest results, more sales to China, dwindling stocks, all that will discuss with Todd Holtman, lead analyst for DTN, a little bit later on as we get his market outlook. We'll also get the latest ag equipment sales numbers from Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Richard Fordyce, the administrator of FSA, will be joining us, not only with a CFAP update, but also a reminder about sign-up for some disaster uh, programs, deadlines coming up, so we'll get into all that information as well with FSA Administrator Fordyce. But we're going to start things off with Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. And Jerry, with the election less than three weeks away and the confirmation hearings going on for the Supreme Court, uh, kind of everything else in agriculture almost other than harvest is really slowed down right now. Well, that's right. It has slowed down. Yesterday, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell announced that the Senate will take another vote on a COVID relief package, but all indications are there's nothing in it for agriculture, uh, except if you think of the Paycheck uh, Protection Program as something for agriculture, uh, but because that's, that would be the core of this uh, proposal. Uh, and uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has already said that these proposals are inadequate, and so I don't expect anything. I think at this point we're set. We know what agriculture is going to get before the election, um, and I don't think it's going to get anything more. Unless something, you know, never know, something could happen. Uh, Senate Agriculture Appropriations Subcommittee Chairman John Hoven from North Dakota told me yesterday he's still fighting for, to include agriculture in the package next week. So we'll just have to see. Yeah, so at this point, there doesn't, as you said, doesn't seem to be any indication that the two sides would agree on whatever package that they're going to pass. No. Um, now even the progressives are putting a little pressure on Pelosi to do a package of some sort. Um, uh, that's the, the sort of leftist part of her coalition of her party uh but she has she's sticking to her guns and saying it isn't it isn't enough and we don't want a package that isn't uh adequate and she's got all her committee chairs uh behind her making statements that they support pelosi on on hanging tough yeah she's been defensive of that got into some heated exchange and heated exchange in an interview uh this week on that basically being pressed now on the question isn't some relief that would help people in need better than none. Right, but I could see if you you know when you have the announcement of this package, uh, if she did agree to it, then there would be a story about what wasn't in there and uh, why did you agree to leave this out. So you you can take it either way. Yeah, you can look at it either way. The other side of that is looking at what would be in the package she's proposing that a lot of people 
don't think uh, should be in there because it's not really COVID related. Uh, I've, I don't know about you, but I have spent more time than I thought I would watching the confirmation hearing for Judge Amy Coney Barrett and probably more than I ever have any other Supreme Court uh, hearing. And I, I, one thing that's really struck me, whether you agree with her positions or, or rulings in the past or not, just her professional approach. And while politicians are talking politics, she's talking law. And I think the contrast is really, uh, really on display in this hearing. And I just, uh, I like, I just like her approach and the way she handles things. Well, she has a, she has won over quite a few people with her approach, uh, and of course, in the end, it doesn't matter because she's going to have the go- She's going to have the votes. Uh, the approach the Democrats are taking is uh, that uh, they are, they make the case that she would overturn the uh, Affordable Care Act, known as Obamacare, uh, and therefore. Uh, people should uh, keep that in mind and uh, vote for a Democratic Senate and, of course, for Joe Biden, and they've got the House already. Uh, so in case Obamacare needs to be replaced, there would be Democrats in, in position to do that. Yeah. It, it's amazing. There's a, There seem to be a lot of assumptions of how she would rule on cases that haven't even come up yet, and she's, and she's trying to, she keeps telling them, you know, she'll wait till the cases before and judged on the case as it's presented she's not making uh you know predeterminations but uh that keeps coming up over and over you know i i I think jerry it's interesting i'm not sure there's been a lot of focus on this whole campaign uh, the presidential election uh with all that's been said and written and and argued about um it's kind of whether you like one candidate or not or if you like one more than another but it's we're from an agriculture standpoint, I don't know that we've really looked at what the differences would be between the two as far as policy and, and really potential impacts and changes that could come about for agriculture. I, I don't know if we've really looked at some of the details of that, but I mean, uh, if Biden wins, that's probably going to, we're going to see quite a shift in a lot of areas that will impact agriculture from what we're seeing under a Trump administration and would probably continue to see if he's reelected. Well, that that is true. I think the the major issue would be about uh, uh, climate change and what impact that has. Uh, now, yesterday, the uh, Sam Clovis, representing the the Trump administration or the Trump campaign, and Pam Johnson, the former uh, corn growers president representing Biden, uh, did a webinar with the, the Farm Foundation, and they agreed on a lot of things. They particular they agreed that crop insurance was the number one program. They agreed on conservation. They agreed on increasing the budget for agricultural research. The two main differences are on trade and uh, ethanol. And the, the you know Trump's contentious relationship with China. Uh, Pam Johnson said that Biden would take a different approach. He'd be tough on China, but a different uh, approach uh, involving our allies. And uh, she, of course, said that tr- uh, Trump has not lived up to his promises uh, on maintaining the renewable fuel standard. And uh, I would say on that point, Clovis defended Trump, but he you know he tried to deflect. Uh, to say, well, there are a lot of market problems in uh, in ethanol. It isn't all just government policy. So I really think trade and trade and ethanol are the two issues. Uh, but I'm intrigued. You know, uh, Trump is going to Iowa today, 
Uh, and I just got a statement from Biden, but what Biden is talking about is uh, health care and the coronavirus. Uh, that ha- seems to have become the dominant issue, especially with so many elderly people being concerned about the Trump administration's approach to the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, a lot to look at for sure. Always good to talk with you. Thanks, Jerry. All right. Thank you. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Up next, FSA Administrator Richard Fordyce. Update on CFAP. Also, a reminder about some deadlines for some disaster program signups. That's coming up next. Stay with us here on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Seed corn companies love to talk about characteristics, maturity, emergence, vigor. Those things are important, but at FS Envision, we've developed corn with some extra characteristics, like attitude, like a fighter's will to win, like the spirit to persevere, because in the end, those are the traits that get it done. Get Envision in the fight for you. Talk to your local FS crop specialist today. FS Envision. Never settle. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. Well, we have the latest numbers in the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. Joining us now is Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer. The index increased to 156 from 144 in August. Back in April and May, we're right around an index of 100. And so the index has increased dramatically since it's uh, lows in, in April and May. If you look at the two subcomponents, the index of current conditions increased more than the index of future expectations. And I think that was due to two different things. One is the increase in, in prices, particularly corn and soybeans, from late July, early August into uh, September. But also, uh, this survey took place right after uh, the announcement of the second round of the uh, CPAP payments. So I think both of those things were important to the increase in index of current conditions and the increase in the Ag Economy Barometer Index. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private health care is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready, and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 
800-664-2612. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. So we're uh, hoping to hear from Richard Fordyce, FSA Administrator, here in just a moment. But uh, we know he's uh, got a lot of things going right now. But uh, he's going to try to give us a call here. And we're waiting to see if he can do that or not. Uh, in the meantime, following up what I was talking about earlier, when you look at the differences between the uh, uh, Trump administration proposals and what uh, the Biden camp is proposing. I think there's a lot to look at there for agriculture. The environmental aspects of it, those policies would certainly have a, an impact on agriculture, differences between the two, how the, uh, each would approach ag labor. That's certainly a critical issue. Um, and would there be some changes there? Um, you know, when we talk about energy and, and fuel, we talk about the differences over renewable fuels, uh, Green New Deal, and what would that mean for agriculture? What would it mean for biofuels if that were to go into place? I mean, so there are a lot of different aspects uh, that need to be really looked at, and uh, agriculture will be dealing with one way or another, however the election turns out. So there's a lot at stake here for sure. And then you get into taxes, that's another issue, and uh, a lot of different things like that. So uh, I know a lot of it is around personalities and, uh, you know, just whether you like the person or not, but uh, you also look at other things, uh, who would fill key positions within administrations. If uh, Donald Trump is reelected, there no doubt will be some changes in a lot of those positions. If Joe Biden wins, you can have some new people in there, and you look at the, the potential uh of who might fill some of those spots of the names that are being bandied about. So there would be some big differences for sure. So that's something that agriculture will be uh, looking at and dealing with uh, after the election. Okay. So we're still waiting to hear from Richard. So I want to, I want to make another point. This is something I've been talking about. The secretary of agriculture, Sonny Perdue has been under a lot of fire and criticism for using his office, using his position to campaign for for President Trump. He's even been cited for violating the, the Hatch Act. Now, the Hatch Act prohibits federal executive branch employees from using their official authority or influence for the purpose of interfering with or affecting the result of an election. Now, USDA has defended Secretary Perdue, saying he did not encourage anyone to vote for a candidate or party or advocate for a partisan political group. Um, a lot of the criticism, of course, has been about um, a letter that went out with some of these food boxes and, uh, you know, and also what Secretary Purdue says when he's out speaking to groups. Uh, let me just say this. This is nothing new. <laughs> you know, I have covered every Ag Secretary since Bob Berglund back in the Carter administration, and they all regardless of political party, promoted their administration's programs, thus promoting their boss, who happened to be the President of the United States. Now, some, like Secretary Purdue, are more obvious and more out front doing that than others, but no Ag Secretary is going to openly disagree with the President they serve, or they wouldn't keep their job. I've always felt that the toughest part of the job of Ag Secretary 
is to walk that line between what the president, your boss, wants you to say versus what you personally might feel about any particular issue if your opinion happened to be different than the president's. Being an effective advocate for agriculture should be the top priority for any ag secretary. But doing so without losing your job, well, you know, that can be pretty challenging. I used to tell former Secretary of Agriculture Mike Johans that he delivered bad news well. It's not easy to stand in front of a group of farmers and tell them something that they don't want to hear. Obviously, they're going to put the best spin possible on any issue, especially the controversial issues, in favor of their bosses, their president's policies. That's part of their job. Now, Secretary Purdue has been one of the most visible campaigners for his boss of any USDA chief in recent memory. And as I said, I've covered them all since Berglund back in the Carter administration. But he didn't just start doing it in this election year. He's been on the road since taking office, and he's been an effective advocate for President Trump. And I admit, I've been critical at times of Secretary Purdue for being more style than substance, but I also think he has probably been the perfect fit for this administration. He does a good job of relating to the ag community while representing them to non-ag audiences. Big part of the job. Has he at times pushed and perhaps blurred the lines between official USDA business and political preference? Probably, and that's usually in the eye of the beholder. But let me say, he's not the first to do so, and he won't be the last. Just some thoughts on on that issue and the criticism uh, that's going on in this campaign, this election year, over uh, Secretary Purdue. And, uh, you know, again, some of the critics have pointed said he's gone too far well that's those are my thoughts i won't get into that with this next person who uh, deals with some of those issues himself um, probably maybe face a little criticism time or two on things richard fordyce fsa administrator you've uh, you've you faced a little fire over different things haven't you richard in your job uh, you know mike i have and i was listening and and thought you had a good take on that i uh um, I'm glad you're not asking me those questions. Um, but, you know, I think anytime you're in the public eye, I think that, um, you know, you do the very best that you can and um, you do what the job, you know, what the job asks ask you to do. And in my case, you know, the job asks us to to uh, to put together programs that respond to things that are happening. And, you know, and that's exactly what we're doing. Uh, we're doing here at FSA. You get a lot of questions, a lot of criticism. Why is it done this way and why isn't it done another way? Um, Let's just look at what is uh, coming up. Uh, One, I want to get to this right away before we run out of time. There's some deadlines coming up for disaster program signups. Tell us about that. Absolutely. So our WHIP Plus um, program uh, signup deadline is going to be October 30th. Um, You know, that program has been with us since September 11th of 2019. Um, The eligible causes of loss have changed over the over the life of that program. Congress introduced excessive moisture and drought back last spring. Um, And so um, so the WIP plus program sign up deadline will be October 30th. So certainly urge folks that have been affected either in 2018 or 2019. Um, by a number of different weather events. Um, again, most recently uh, added was the excessive moisture and drought for crop years 2018 and 2019. The sign-up deadline for that is October 30th. So urge them to get a hold of their local farm service agency office. And uh, uh, and certainly, if they haven't applied, uh, certainly let them know that they want to apply for the WIP Plus program. All right. CFAP. 
two. Where are you on that now? So as of yesterday, Mike, uh, the numbers, we've approved $4.5 billion in payments. Um, that has gone to 242,000 different folks um, that, have, that have made application for CPAP2. So, you know, lots of progress really in my mind, um, you know, from the beginning of the sign-up. Um, and, you know, the, the, as a reminder, the, the CFAP2 program was funded at a level of $14 billion. We know there is a ton of activity happening in county offices right now, um, you know, either through, the, either through that personal contact or, or applications that have been downloaded online and other ways that folks are working with our, with our staff across the country. But $4.5 billion as of yesterday out the door. Okay, I've asked. I've been asking you this, and when last we talked, you said it hadn't been determined yet. Do you know what's going to happen to the money that you didn't spend in CFAP one? Well, again, uh, I think I'm going to have to give you the same answer I gave last week. You know, those conversations are happening. Um, you know, but 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 no decision has been made yet um, as to what um, what may be used, um, what may be done with some of those funds that were left over from CFAP one. Do you anticipate using all of your funding for CFAP two? You know, I think we. W- you know, it's, again, it's hard to predict, Mike. But with all of the added commodities and the approach that we've taken, you know, with the sales commodity category and and some of the other things, um, you know, the flat rate crops that we didn't have in CFAP one. Um, you know, I think we're going to get awfully close. Again, it's hard to predict how how this will all come come out. Um, you know, we talked last week about certain parts of the country or are very heavy into harvest right now. And so, um, you know, do we have folks not actually applying because they are busy in the field? That's probably the case in some, in some parts of the country for sure. But, you know, this sign up runs till December 11th. And, and so we're in, we're anticipating getting awfully close. All right, Richard, always appreciate your time, your willingness to come on and just keep us updated and discuss these issues. Thanks a lot. All right, Mike. Always enjoy being on with you. Have a great day. You too. Take care. FSA Administrator Richard Fordyce. All right. China's buying again, and harvest is rolling. We have the lower stocks numbers, all that to talk about with the lead analyst for DTN. Todd Holtman joins us next as we talk markets and market outlook. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. 
So join us for Around the Table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. The fast pace of the U.S. harvest continued over the past week with U.S. farmers making more progress than usual for this time of year. USDA saying the U.S. corn harvest is now 41% complete. The soybean harvest 61% finished according to USDA's latest numbers released after the close yesterday. After a few days of being absent from USDA flash sales announcements, China back in the mix. USDA confirming this morning that China bought 420,000 metric tons of U.S. corn as well as 264,000 tons of U.S. soybeans. Soybean futures an hour into the day, November up 13 cents at 10.57. January up 11 and three quarters at 1058 and a half. December corn steady at 391 and a quarter. March down three quarters of a cent, 398 and a half. Chicago wheat December contract down four and three quarters at 589 and a quarter. Kansas City wheat December down five and a quarter at 525 and three quarters. Minneapolis spring wheat December down a penny and a quarter at 543. At the Merck, live cattle futures trending 17 to 65 cents lower. December down 65 at 110.57. February 113.30 down 35. Cash cattle, we've seen light sales so far on the week. A few scattered bids being seen early on this Wednesday at 108 in Texas and Kansas on a live basis. Asking prices 111 or higher on a live basis. Lean hog futures, December up $1.57. 67.72. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow is up 54. November crude oil up 81 cents. You're listening to AOA. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And we're happy to welcome back the lead analyst for DTN, Todd Holtman, to talk uh, markets. Todd, good to talk with you again. Well, we have China making some more purchases. Yeah, uh, there's just no end to this train, it seems like. Another 16 million bushels uh, of corn to China and almost 10 million bushels of soybeans. Uh, It's it's just uh, a bit mind-boggling this year, but uh, very impressive. And as far as we can tell, those domestic prices in China are still 
uh, very high, about 973 in corn, domestically in 1835 in beans. They've got plenty of incentive to keep buying. And uh, fortunately, this is one time we don't have a lot of competition from uh, Brazil to get in the way. Yeah, I guess, you know, there's a debate. Are they buying, you know, because it's that time of year they buy from us, they need it, or are they trying to meet the commitments to the phase one trade deal or not? Uh, I guess if you're for farmers, you don't worry about what the reason is. You're just glad they're buying right now. <laughs> well, yes, absolutely. And uh, I, I tend to be in a very practical camp that uh, says I, I don't think they'd be buying if they didn't need it. And uh, that plus the fact that we can peak at their domestic prices. There's not much else we can solidly say about what's happening within the country. We know there was some flooding, uh, serious flooding early this year, and, and maybe that got in the way of some food storage and transportation. Uh, but uh, you, you're right. The main thing is they're buying, and uh, that's the most important thing at the moment. And, of course, the question is, and we don't know, but uh, kind of interested to see what you think, how much more do you think they will be buying? Yeah, and that is the billion-dollar question. And, and I would have to say, just based on the fact that they still have high prices, which tells me that they have serious food security issues this year, uh, I, I think we can see a, another month of this. I uh, I, I hate to get um, uh, too uh, bullish because we're getting into a very tight supply situation here. And so at, at – uh, some point uh, we could see even stronger price response on these uh, soybean prices and i'm not here to panic anyone but uh, i'm telling you that the, the supply concerns are very real and legitimate i do believe and of course we have to uh, include the uncertainty of south american weather uh, going along with that okay let's let's get into the uh, stocks situation which i find interesting i i mentioned this the other day I think one of the stories of 2020 in a year that's full of huge stories, but I think from an agricultural perspective, the the story of changing the narrative, rewriting the narrative of our stock situation from burdensome not that long ago to now much tighter uh, than we ever, I guess, expected we would be at this point in the year in the midst of a harvest. Uh, This is quite a story, this change that has taken place this year. Yeah, I cannot think of a bigger 180 move uh, when it comes to supplies than what we've experienced this year. Uh, And you're absolutely right. And I've long been impressed with the longstanding trend of soybean demand uh, around the world. And it's been very, it's been a wonderful story for agriculture, the emergence of uh, China into a more modern nation and what that has meant for protein demand uh, around the world. It's, it's just a, a huge part of segment of the world's population that got to a place where they have better living standards and uh, want more protein in their diet, and that translated directly into demand for soybeans uh, in another area of soybean meal. It is remarkable to me, it, knowing all that, even putting it in the context of how we started this year with coronavirus, and the year before that we had African swine fever issues, uh, in China, but in spite of all that, world demand levels for soybeans continue to increase to record levels, through, even through the time of African swine fever, and now uh, again this year. And uh, as you say, it's uh, it, it's really impressive, and it may be a bit miraculous to see this strong of a turnaround. And we're talking with Todd Holtman with DTN. Todd, uh, it 
and it was not that long ago, every conversation, every discussion about soybean price outlook and the potential to move up always had this cloud over it or always with the backdrop the elephant in the room was but we have these big stocks these burdensome stocks kind of weighing over everything and all of a sudden that story's uh changed completely yeah it doesn't seem that long well it wasn't that long ago we were talking about a billion bushel carry and if we wouldn't have had the big um planting weather problems that we did in 2019 we'd be talking about even larger soybean stocks than that uh but uh thankfully there the 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 planting problem of dropping 13 million soybean acres in 2019 helped bring some of that down and now the resurgence of demand in uh, china and asia uh generally has added to that and here we are again once again talking about uh, a possibility of supplies becoming extremely tight in the year ahead. And, um, so that, so yeah, I, go ahead. I was going to say the question for a farmer, either wrapping up harvest or still in the midst of harvest, although a lot of them are really wrapping up bean harvest really quickly. All right. So now they've got a price already better than they expected it would be here at harvest time. Do you go ahead and start selling that? Or do you, what we're talking about, might lead to even higher prices down the road. Yes. Well, uh, I think both things are true, and that may sound contradictory. But uh, number one, the way I see this is as bullish as things look right now, we all know that conditions can change. China could stop buying tomorrow. It could turn out that South America has a big crop again this year. Uh, We don't know yet what that next day is going to look like. So I, I think it's very prudent and very responsible to take uh, uh, advantage of these high prices right now for at least half of your production. And we're actually uh, already recommended uh, three-fourths of, of 2020 sales we've already uh, rec- recommended making. Now, that bullish story and that bullish possibility, uh, I think, is a good reason to hold back on, say, the final 25% of this year's production but I wouldn't bet the whole farm uh, on situations like this because, you know, things can change. So when you get these good prices, you, you have to definitely take advantage of some of that. All right. Now, the corn picture is a little different, though, right? Yes. Uh, corn also is benefiting from east increased demand from China, as we saw again uh, in today's sale. But we don't have the tight supply concern yet uh, that we're seen in soybeans. So, you know, we're just thankful that we're not talking about a 3 billion bushel carry as we were earlier this year. Now USDA has us down under 2.2 billion bushels. So actually, we're much more in line with the supply situation we've seen the past four years. And that's basically the type of uh, pricing uh, range we would expect, similar to, uh, I'm saying cash prices around 350, USDA saying 360. And that seems to be the reasonable uh, estimate for right now. If there is some more bullish upside potential, it's because we could get more export sales from China because those corn prices are almost $10 a bushel domestically in China. So they, they definitely have a need to buy more. And uh, the other uh, part, of course, being what is South America's weather going to look like in uh, the year ahead. 
Yeah, you got that variable that's a big part of this. And I keep looking ahead to next spring. I realize we're still getting this harvest done, but uh, yeah. it's going to be interesting. I mean, right if you were deciding right now, we know uh, some decisions are made, and a lot of farmers stick with their their rotations, so that may not change much. But if you're if you got some undecided acres, it would seem to be leaning towards soybeans now for next year. Yeah, and that's the uh, first time we can say that in quite a few years. And frankly, as a market analyst and uh, a guy who would like to see a healthy, prof- profitable ag sector, I would love to see the corn-soybean mix get back closer to 50-50. Uh, I think that's very beneficial for markets overall. Uh, and uh, the, the past couple of years with the trade dispute with China, we've had such a heavy leaning and reliance on uh, planting corn that, that that makes it very tough and, and strains a lot uh, in, in the, the whole ag mix. And, and we were in danger of, of building really large uh, supplies of corn. So uh, hopefully this has relieved that problem. I think we're going to have a healthier balance, but I don't think, I don't think we're going to swing the other way very much. There's just a lot of good reasons uh, for U.S. producers to, to plant corn and going to a 50-50 mix, I think, is good for everybody. And, of course, the other factor is this harvest, while good in many places, not the bin buster we at one point thought we might have. True. Yeah, 14.7 billion bushels is not the same as 15.3 or higher, which uh, was a possibility earlier this year. So that late uh, August weather uh, helped take down some of that uh, production there. And by the time we get to January and hear final estimates i don't think we're probably going to be too far from what usda is saying right now for both the corn and the beans well it's been an amazing year in in a lot of ways but uh, how this has changed and a lot of things have come together uh it's quite a story isn't it yeah it is you know i i uh I, i have a long history of trying to notice the surprises that the market gives us because uh that's just a part of the way things go and it's a good reminder when we get in these uh, tough times and everything looks so horrible, you just never know what's around the corner. And, boy, I, I think this year, 2020, is going to stand uh, high and, and long in our memories as uh, yeah. quite a surprise. Well, they talk about October surprises in, in election years. Well, we had one this year in our in our marketing year, for for sure, with, <laughs> with for agriculture. Todd, always good to talk with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Lead analyst for DTN, Todd Holtman. Up next, the latest ag equipment sales number. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to really cook. First, you can't tell it's done by how it looks. Use a food thermometer. Then, always stir, rotate the dish, and cover food when microwaving to prevent cold spots where bacteria can survive. Fast cooking should still be safe cooking. And bring sauces, soups, and gravies to a rolling boil when reheating. Even for the most experienced cooks, the improper heating and preparation of food means bacteria can survive. 
Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. Meet Keith. Loving dad, board game champ, bus driving pro. I drive 65,000 miles in my bus each year. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. Like how there are some things I simply can't see. On my route the other day, a car tried to sneak past me and ends up right in my blind spot. I turned slowly, so I accident avoided. But no car should be in the blind spot for a 40,000 pound bus. It's our roads. It's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, joining us is Greg Tilka. He is an Iowa State nematologist, and you have some new information showing the conditions this year in soybean fields could have an impact on SCN populations two years from now when those fields go back to soybeans. This observation that scientists have had for years and years was that it seemed like soybean cyst nematode reproduced better in dry soils. In other words, numbers increase quicker. Just a few years ago, we did an extensive uh, survey or study of 15 years of data over 25,000 research plots, and that trend appeared. FCN numbers increased more in dry soils and in hot soils. And so we're a little concerned that FCN numbers might be really high this fall. You're in a corn bean rotation. That means there'll be really high numbers waiting for the next soybean crop. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. 
In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, Farm Radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Time for our monthly visit with Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. We, as we look at the latest ag equipment sales numbers, Kurt, good to have you back. Uh, you got some uh, some positive numbers to talk about. Hey, thanks for having Mike. And yeah, we are uh, we're reporting positive numbers for the month of September, pretty much across the board in all in all categories of tractors and combines. Uh, tractors, total tractors are up. You know, at twenty over twenty percent for the for the month of September, and that's bringing us to about uh, nearly fifteen percent up for the year. That's a pretty solid number. Uh, you know, combines are up eight percent for the uh, for the month of September, bringing us to about four uh, percent year over year increase. So you know, sort of despite all of the the economic headwinds, despite everything else that's going on in the world right now, the tractor and combine market remains pretty strong right now. Do you break that down geographically? Can you tell, like, is there one area that's stronger or helping lead those numbers than others? You know, it's it's tough to look at this geographically because, you know, just as your listeners know, I mean, there are there are pockets of, of Iowa that are having, you know, a garden spot and maybe some fantastic corn harvest. And there's other pockets of Iowa that, that uh, had the derecho or another weather event. So, you know, to put a broad base uh, on, on geography is a little bit difficult. But one of the things that we can absolutely point to is the classes. The classes of, of tractors are absolutely making a difference. And the small tractors, uh, whether it's under 40 horsepower or uh, something that looks like a, a subcompact or a compact utility tractor, those are what's absolutely driving the market. They're on fire. Uh, and that's a lot of farmers. That's a lot of non-farmers. But that market continues to be strong. That's been the story of 22. But we also have seen some nice recovery in row crops. So 100-plus horsepower tractors are up 7% for the month of September. That still has us a little bit down for the year with those row crop tractors, but that's a pretty nice gain for the month of September. And the other nice kind of bright spot that we're seeing is articulated four-wheel drive. We actually saw about a 20% increase in the month of September. Again, still down for the year, but, boy, those are some nice numbers that uh, – you know, reflect some positivity in the marketplace. You also have to be encouraged uh, with the the market rally that's going on and what that could mean uh, moving forward. Absolutely. It's no secret that uh, the tractor and combine sales track almost one-to-one to the price of corn over, over time, uh, just as the price of corn tracks uh, almost one-to-one with the uh, with net farm income, so absolutely, we love to see we love to see more more money in farmers' hands. Uh, gives them a chance to to you know increase their bottom line, but also gives them a chance to explore some of that new technology and maybe up, upgrade their capital equipment that they might have been pushing off for a couple of years. 
Well, we've talked about this before. Well, you know, it, let's say we're coming out of we're going to turn the corner and the ag economy is going to improve. And there are a lot of a lot of questions about if that's going to happen or to what extent. But let's hope that that does happen. And then there's that question: Is there a, a cautious period for farmers uh, coming out of that, as far as purchases of equipment or a pent up demand? Uh, how do you look at that? What historically, what have you seen coming out of a downturn in the economy and, and things starting to improve? Well, I don't. I don't want to be the uh, you know the stereotypical two sided econ- two handed economist because on one hand you're absolutely right. I think there is you know just general optimism when you see when you see a rally in commodity prices and you see a good crop being harvested, there is a lot of positive psychology that enters into a farmer's mind. We all, we all know that. But there also is just this overall malaise that's, that's affecting the economy. And, you know, with the, with the pending election, with all of the other things that we're dealing with right now, I think there's, there's le, you know, legitimate concerns about some of that potential hesitation that could come out. So, you know, I, I overuse the phrase cautiously optimistic. I do think that there's optimism that tends to outweigh the pessimism when you look at a good crop and a good rally, but there is sort of this dark storm cloud that is, you know, things that are beyond our control in the ag economy right now. Yeah, we've learned that in 2020 for sure. We're talking with Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Getting back to that that growth in the uh, smaller tractors, the smaller horsepower tractors, uh, this trend has been going on for some time, hasn't it? You know, it has been. It's been it's been going on for a number of years, frankly. But it just it just kind of caught caught fire this year in twenty in twenty twenty. And you know, as a result of people spending a little bit more time at home, or or uh, you know, spending a little bit you know not not able to travel and and not able to maybe go out to restaurants like they normally would. I think we're finding it, it's really interesting if you look at other markets. Luxury goods are doing quite well. Cars are doing quite well. Some of these you know, purchases that, that uh, could be considered sort of on the fringes are actually doing quite well during this pandemic. And, and small horsepower tractors for a for an acreage owner, I think, absolutely falls into that same category. What categories of equipment are are not showing that improvement that you would like to see that are still lagging behind? Well, uh, you know, we, we track both U.S. and Canada, and, and Canada is, is, is really – trying to dig itself out of a hole and that's been that's been a little bit tough and that was especially pronounced in the hard horsepower tractors on both sides of the border so i you know i we've got we got a ways to go to get that articulated four-wheel drive market back to where we'd like to like to see it and and obviously as i mentioned before there's some softness in the row crop tractor market as well um we want to we want to see that come back uh you know one month does not a trend make uh, but as you uh, indicated, there's a lot of other factors that are sort of leading into this to say, you know what, things things could be okay. I think there's also some real, uh, you know, this this recovery feels a little bit different in that you know so many things are beyond beyond control. But I also think that that uh, you know farmers are pretty pragmatic and they're not going to make major investments into something that they don't feel good about the future. And that is where I look at all of these numbers and and looking forward for a farmer to make an investment in a combine or a big tractor they gotta feel good about the future kurt always good to talk with you interesting to look at the numbers each month thank you very much thanks so much mike
Take care. Talk to you next month. Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, wraps it up for today. Have a great day, everyone. A safe day. Join us again tomorrow right here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.